listening to the Inside Job Making CX Work podcast, where we share how you can make customer experience transformation a reality. All right, welcome back to Inside Job Making CX Work. I'm your host, Jose Fabrion, and today we're going to talk about B2B. Uh, we've got Michael McLaren here. He is an expert in this area, and I'm really excited about the content that we've got going today. It's a little bit different than what we normally talk about, and I think it's really going to be valuable to everybody listening. So uh, without further ado, uh, I would like to introduce everybody to Michael McLaren. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Jose. It's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat. It's it's really really exciting to have you. So tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you wouldn't mind, just to orient people about who you are and kind of what what your kind of expertise is in the, in the space. Uh, absolutely. Um, so I've been with Merkel now for almost five years um, and it's been a, it's been a whirlwind five years. It's been fantastic. Lots of growth. Uh, I came across from McCann world group um, where I was running MRM, um, which is their digital marketing and customer experience management uh, business. And, um, you know, I think that, I came to the realization that we didn't have the kind of data pedigree that was required to do modern marketing the way that I could see it going. And so I'd been lucky enough to meet with John Lee um, and David Williams several years before and a com- it led to a conversation and, you know, it, it, it sort of led me here. Um, I, uh, I believe passionately in the power of uh, data, technology, and creativity, um, and bringing all three together in a kind of a seamless way to help connect brands with customers. Uh, so, you know, I think the the work that we're doing at Merkel around transforming the customer experience um, and the entire process of managing the customer experience is is exactly where the industry is heading. So we're kind of out ahead of the industry. Um, and I think B2B is an area that has historically been um, underserved by our industry. I, I really believe that. I think that it's been playing by a very well-worn playbook for many years and uh, times have changed and audiences have changed and expectations have changed. Uh, so it's ripe for transformation. In fact, I could argue it's screaming for transformation um, and so, you know, we feel like we've got a good, clear value proposition in a fast current in the marketplace at the right point in time. So really excited about what's happening in B2B. And I think what we're, you know, what we're bringing is the power of Merkel, you know, the ability to manage data and be intelligent about a sort of a cookie-less future and managing identity and then threading the technology in integrating the technology in such a way to build better experiences. So, you know, we're in the right place at the right time in a market segment that needs the types of solutions that I think Merkel is uniquely positioned to deliver. That, that, that's awesome, Michael. So if we think about this, this screaming need that's going on yep. in the marketplace, you know, it, look, I, I'm kind of tired of talking about the pandemic personally, um, but I can tell you as somebody whose job it is to help go out and, and sell services and sell things to other companies, you know, my life has changed quite a bit in that in that realm 
you know, wh- what's been going on in the marketplace that's really driven this screaming need? Well, I think I think there's two things. There's I, I, I would almost break it out and say there's some macro vectors that are in play. Um, and f- to be honest with you, they were in play before the pandemic. Um, and, and, and it's the way I describe it is the consumerization of B2B. As, as, you know, a B2B buyer is not a robot. You know, they are a human being. They have emotions. They have expectations. And just as we've seen in the consumer landscape where, you know, experiences have transformed overnight, you know, once you've caught an Uber, your expectations of travel change forever. You know, your, your expectations of how you're going to get to where you're going to go, how much it's going to cost you, what pathway you're going to go um, and what are you going to listen to in the car is like it's completely different. And, you know, it's not the same experiences in B2B, but the expectations of a better way um, are coming over into the B2B landscape at the same velocity. So customers are expecting better experiences, more convenient, more relevant, more personal experiences. So that's a macro vector that has been in play. And then you have a very real impact of the pandemic itself. And, you know, I mentioned that B2B has been playing by a kind of a well-worn playbook. Well, one of the pages in that playbook, maybe page 1A, has been big events, you know, the ability to stage big events, to bring lots of prospective customers together, to tell your story, to have breakouts in sales calls and conversations build solutions, create a, a, you know, an enterprise agreement and get on with it, you know, and a lot of businesses use that tactic very effectively um, and globally. Um, all of a sudden, that light got turned off. So, you know, for a lot of B2B companies, that could be 40, 50% of their total marketing budget. So that's a huge challenge. And then the second challenge is, you know, you're not able to have your sales representatives make direct calls to clients. You know, the old playbook was you did a marketing qualified lead, you would hand it off to sales, they would then go through a sales qualified lead, and then they would take the lead and and go and convert it, you know, and that typically required a meeting at the client's offices, you know, celebratory lunch or dinner, sign the contract and um, and on with the deal. And, and that's been completely removed, which is a huge challenge. Um, and because a lot of those sales calls were also educational in nature, you would explain the benefit of the technology or the benefit of the piece of equipment or the benefit of the service. And, and that physical opportunity has been taken away. So what that's done is it's forced organizations to rethink how are they going to create leads um, if events are gone away, how, have, have gone away, how are they going to generate leads? And then secondly, how are they going to nurture and warm and convert those leads in the absence of physical contact? So, you know, it screams out for a sophisticated brand digital ecosystem. You know, the ability to create this connective tissue in a world that a highly informed and capable buyer is navigating the digital ecosystem quite capably on their own doing research, doing verification, doing qualification work. And so now the brand needs to engage those audiences in an effective way in a, in a sort of immersive online world. Um, and it needs to connect the dots 
so that when someone visits the website, um, ideally customized to their needs, then there's follow-up that's relevant to them, whether it's in email targeting or retargeting in, in digital media. Um, and we start to build a nurture stream that's connected, that picks up the conversation in a logical order, that's driven by data. So many companies didn't have that. And, and frankly, a lot of companies are still at a very early stage of having that. So that's, that's a good example of how the pandemic has, has transformed things for a lot of B2B companies. That, that's very interesting. I mean, I've certainly seen it myself. And so what it makes me think about is, okay, on, on the kind of consumer side, we've certainly seen this drive toward, you know, more uh, unified data and, and marketing clouds and the ability to orchestrate these experiences and things like that. They were coming from a kind of more advanced area. I think what you're saying is that that many, not all, but many B2B marketers had a less sophisticated ecosystem. As we think about our uh, customer experience transformation recipe and we think about data transformation as one part of it, digital experience is another, uh, it makes me think a little bit about kind of how like what, what is the state of data in B2B and how, how do you bring these things together? Because you're, you're, you're really talking about companies that have divisions and you have individuals, you have different stakeholders, you have people researching, you have decision makers, um, influencers, all that sort of stuff. How, how does that all come together in B2B? I, I've, you know, for me, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of new. It's, it's challenging. Um, I, I just want to back up for one second. I want to clarify I don't want to come across as suggesting that our B2B clients and prospects don't have sophisticated, you know, platforms. I think what the better way to look at it is they have platforms that were purpose-built for the way the world was, right. and, and but they're not purpose-built for the way the world is um, through some of those dynamics that I just talked about, um, you know, and they need, they need help. I think that, um, so now to answer your question directly, the state of data is... Um, uh, let's just say it's challenged. It's challenged. And I think that part of that is because there hasn't been a priority in a lot of B2B companies to really build sophisticated first-party data, you know, really know the customer, intimately understand that customer and continue to augment the details of that customer with any available relevant second and third-party data sources. Um, that's relatively new. And the reason for that is because so many B2B companies sell through a channel. And so the channel is the primary point of engagement with the customer. Um, and, and I also think in many companies, it, it kind of suited them not to have a direct relationship. You know, they wanted to have an enterprise relationship with another business, not necessarily an intimate relationship with an, end con with an end customer. Those days are changing. So, you know, now it's about how do I build a first-party data uh, platform that's going to create the kind of flexible architecture that I need in order to flex and build these sort of connected digital experiences. Um, and that work is, is underway and different clients are at different stages of that journey. Um, and then on top of that, I think that we've seen a growing sophistication in other sources of data. Um, and, and I think this has been a a kind of a trend in the industry. Once again, it was in play before the pandemic. And this is around areas such as intent and surge data. So tracking um, uh, web queries and, and um, search queries to understand those URLs, so companies that are actively searching for content that's relevant to what I'm selling um, so that you can target your message as much as possible 
to audiences that are more likely to be in purchase mode. Um, so the the ability to leverage intent data and surge data um, into that sort of trigger point of um, how do you plan your uh, customer experience journey, I think has got more sophisticated. Um, and But then the, the other piece is around the integration of the clouds. And, um, you know, we're seeing a rapid acceleration of, you know, the, the connecting together of various aspects of, you know, the clouds that are, that are in the marketplace so that we can now facilitate more seamless customer journeys. Um, and it's actually really exciting to see how the world is changing in front of our eyes, um, that you can, you know, you can track data that's giving you the ability to target more effectively. You can automate a nurture stream against a, you know, first unknown and then known audience. You can continue to build a richer profile, a single source of truth of that customer or prospective customer, um, you know, drive it through conversion, pull it all the way through to uh, sales enablement, and then ultimately post-sales loyalty. Um, so, you know, threading that whole thing together um, by connected experiences, you know, this is a huge challenge for a lot of B2B organizations. And, and it's because, you know, they were, they were purpose-built for the world that was. Um, you know, things that get in the way, siloed organizations, you know, we see this all over. Someone's responsible for email. Someone's responsible for acquisition. Someone's responsible for um, uh, marketing qualification, lead qualification. And, and they often are living in silos, often not necessarily sharing common data and, and making decisions that are optimized for their silo, but not necessarily optimized for, first of all, the customer experience. Um, you know, how many times have we seen companies bombard a prospective customer with messages that are coming from different departments or different lines of business within an organization um, and just create confusion and create frankly, aggravation. Um, so breaking down internal silos is going to be the change management challenge of the 21st century for a lot of B2B marketers. That, that, that's interesting. I mean, so we have, I mean, what part of what I hear is that, and, and I'm translating this in my own kind of watching the evolution here, you know, years ago, it was kind of the, your quote unquote CRM platform, right? And then you started to have your marketing automation platforms integrated with those things. And they, as you said, were purpose built, they're designed to drive MQLs, that sort of stuff. And then now we really have this shift in broad consumer uh, experience, which drives this a lot more focus on the connected experience, including web, app if appropriate, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I think what I'm hearing you say is that it's a challenge, but it's getting better and better, both from a data perspective, as well as from a technology perspective to bring these things together. But at the end of the day, and look, we, we see it all over the place, is that you know the, the organizational structure does become an impediment to using some of these things eff effectively. Is that, is that accurate? Um, in many cases, it is accurate. I mean, you know, obviously, there's some clients that have already gone through this transformation and are well ahead of the pack. There's other clients that are at early stages of this transformation um, and are trying to understand, you know, how do they get moving? Um, but, but yeah, often the internal issues are the things that get in the way. Um, you know, also some of these things are big bets, right? They're big investments. Yeah. And, 
yeah, I mean, it's like anything. You don't have unlimited resources. You've got constraints on resources and every client has this and we have to obviously respect that. So, you know, helping them make the right big bets is really important. And then helping them extract value from the bets that they make is also important. So, you know, we, we, have, we have a role to play here, but at the end of the day, the client's, the client's challenge is significant. I mean, the, the other thing about B2B, there's some, there's some unique aspects that make this slightly more challenging than the consumer landscape. Um, the first thing is they typically tend to be more complex sales processes. So they're over a longer period of time, typically six to nine months. Um, they have more stakeholders involved. You know, I've seen research that suggests up to 20 different individuals are involved at various stages of a B2B purchase, particularly an, a, a purchase over a million dollars. So, you know, now we're tracking 20 different individuals that are all playing a role. You know, sometimes they're an influencer, sometimes they're a decision maker. Sometimes they're a stakeholder or a gatekeeper. And so, you know, really understanding, you know, how those players come and go as we move through time in that decision process is a complex matrix. Um, and then the other thing that's, that's, you know, we can never forget is that there's huge emotional um, piece of this decision, you know, like it, there's a lot riding on it. You know, you don't want to make a mistake. Um, and you, it's quite often in many cases, particularly big bets, it's career defining. So they have to be emotionally rewarded. It's not just a pure rational transaction. Um, so this is where the power of the brand and what the brand stands for and the ability to be reliable and consistent and authentic, um, you know, particularly in the world we're moving towards where, you know, we're looking at other values of brands that are going to be important as we move forward. So, you know, you've got all of these pieces playing together that make the B2B decision, I think, unique um, and, and actually really quite intriguing. And this is where data, technology, data science is going to really play a role. Um, and, you know, obviously artificial intelligence and machine learning are going to play a key role as well to try to understand that matrix of influences and, and help map a, a, a journey that's going to make sense for an individual sitting inside that organization. It's kind of exciting, actually. I, I, it sounds like it's really exciting. I mean, what, what, what I hear is that we're in a really interesting time. We've got companies making really big bets in terms of their investments, in terms of, of marketing and shifting the way things are going. Those create career-defining situations for marketing leaders. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a really exciting time. So one side of this um, is, you know, what what should people do? But I want to actually focus on, like, if, if people are, are listening, what are some of the mistakes people make, right? So right now you've got this, this incredible time. What would you say, Michael, ba based on your experience, should companies or people listening to this really not do right now because you've seen it happen. You can shortcut some of this and, and reduce some of their risk and some of the, the big bets. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to put a blanket over all of the various um, sort of uh, approaches from different industries and different verticals. But, you know, I think that we still suffer a little bit from a MarTech um, soup 
sitting inside a lot of organizations where they have acquired different technologies and um, struggled to integrate them effectively. Uh, so, you know, that, that remains an impediment in many cases. So, you know, while someone's trying to prove out the, the business value of an investment, you know, sometimes that's working at odds with the, with the sort of overall objective. Um, I think that it's a hard transformation to totally commit yourself to be customer centric, um, which means that you put the customer at the center of everything you do and, and not be organization centric, you know, like a lot of big B2B organizations are still very organization centric. They have like different business units that are selling different, you know, equipment or technology or solutions. And they're focused on selling those products and communicating the, the sort of capabilities of those products. And they kind of ignore the customer in many, in many cases. You know, the customer kind of doesn't care what the organizational structure is at the place that they might be buying from. The customer wants to know, do you have a solution that's relevant to me? Um, can you tell me more about it? Can you help me go through my internal qualification and um, verification process and can we cut a good deal? Um, so, so thinking about it from a customer first perspective um, and really understanding the customer's pain points, what are they trying to solve? What are the, you know, what are the triggers that we need to really pay attention to? And then how do we orient our entire organization around the customer is a big challenge um, for a lot of clients. So, you know, I always try to understand what level of customer centricity exists. I think the other big thing is data. Um, you know, where is the data? You know, we've seen a lot of organizations try to commit to build this mother of all databases, you know, this sort of single source of truth across the entire organization in a secure on-prem environment, you know, in whatever technology, I'm not really talking technology, I'm just talking concept. Um, and they, they create these, massive unwieldy data lakes that are difficult to extract insights from and difficult to action, you know, um, in the way that they need to action um, in the account hierarchies that they're dealing with. So, you know, really trying to help them understand their data structures and, and you know, what is a more agile format that might be available that allows them to be more flexible with their marketing. Um, so, you know, they're typical, I mean, obviously silos, but that's a big change management one. Often we're not always brought into those conversations early, um, although we're increasingly getting drawn into those conversations. Um, and then I think the other one is, uh, is budget allocation. I still think it's fairly linear, um, the way that budgets get allocated inside big, uh, client organizations and, there needs to be a better model. I think what a lot of clients have tried to do is build sophisticated attribution models. It's very hard to do, you know, to understand what was the value of each individual touch point and then ascribe a value to the entire journey and then allocate budget according to value. I mean, it's a great concept but it's challenging to do. So I think attribution is going to be another one that we're going to be working on with our clients in, you know, the coming, uh, you know, year. And, and a, more, a more sort of 
agile attribution solution, not this kind of massive um, boil the ocean um, kind of approach. Uh, and then, you know, as I say, budget allocation, I think that's challenging for a lot of organizations. I mean, in many organizations, it's like, what did we spend last year? You know, let's increase it by 10% and there's your budget. It's like, you know, it's like looking in the rear vision mirror as opposed to looking in the, in the windscreen and saying, you know, which direction do we need to head? On that topic of budget allocation, are you seeing companies really now start to invest with uh, capex versus operating expense sort of things in terms of really starting to invest for the for the infrastructure change management et cetera versus just kind of looking at it as a marketing budget if you will definitely um you know obviously uh you know capital structures are a a key um you know every industry vertical has its own um unique environment you know so yeah, but we've definitely seen a shift particularly as big technology investments get made. Yeah. Um, you know, because you you're probably likely to capitalize those investments and depreciate some of these investments, so it becomes a, a kind of a you know financial um, you know integration challenge as well. Uh, you know, it's not just purely a marketing expense, right? And I and I know one of the things that, that your team does is help it helps companies really forecast the return and the value realization of of those sorts of projects and commitments. So um, that's, that's awesome. So, okay. So we've got certainly some challenges, you know, if we think about where people are, and obviously that's a pretty wide swath <laughs> of situations, you know, where, where, where should people be looking right now? What are the, what are some of the kind of core initiatives that you're seeing a lot of progress and value in that our listeners can can take home and say, hey, we're either good at that or no, that's a gap. We really need to start to focus in on that. Um, I There was this great quote from Laura Ramos at um, Forrester, who's the senior analyst in the B2B landscape. And and it's I, I, I won't get it exactly right, but it's um, today's marketing organ, today's B2B marketing organizations need to undergo transformation and move from the traditional role of lead gen engine and brand builder to become architects of engagement across the entire customer lifecycle. And I think that it's a tremendous challenge. You know, like I really like that um, articulation because what it's saying is the marketer's role is going to expand, or at least if they're the, the really successful marketer's role is going to expand that they're going to be engaging with prospective customers, you know, identifying them, hopefully, uh, you know, sort of capturing the information about them and and exchanging value with them. They're going to be nurturing those customers through a lead nurture uh, approach. They're going to be working hand in hand with sales organizations to convert those customers. And, And they're going to move past the transaction and into the post-sale relationship um, in a loyalty and CRM sense and really manage that sort of post-sale experience. So the the opportunity for B2B marketers, I think, is really fascinating. Like they can now become the architects of engagement across the entire customer lifecycle. And what we want to position ourselves, Merkel B2B, as the enabler of that migration or that transformation. So we help you become the architect of engagement. Um, so, the, the you know, for me, when we sit down with a client, 
I want to understand, you know, what is the current state of um, how are they going about customer acquisition? How are they going about lead nurture? And I start with a question usually around account-based marketing. Um, and just so really simply, account-based marketing is a, is a, a methodology and, and a strategy that you use to identify key accounts, you know, because, you know, most B2B companies are selling to accounts that are of higher value, you know, so whether they are accounts in a vertical or strategic accounts, and then how are you marketing and, and focusing effort against those accounts hand in hand with the sales organization? So is there alignment with sales on the target accounts? Really simple question. Um, is there alignment with sales on the, um, the qualification criteria? So, you know, as we sort of engage these accounts and we pull them through, how do we convert? And then I want to understand, you know, how are they leveraging technology to drive that customer journey against those target accounts? Um, and I think that, you know, as you get into these discussions, you start to get an understanding of the level of sophistication of programs that currently exist. Um, so, you know, ABM is a key building block of a great B2B marketing approach. Um, data, you know, understanding, capturing customer data, um, building first-party profiles and understanding, you know, getting all of obviously the legal permissions. That's a key thing, um, understanding how they're going to go about that and then building, you know, an increasingly sophisticated customer journey so that it's connected. You know, we're not sending out disconnected, uh, you know, touch points um, that we're trying to capture learning from each stage along the way. Um, you know, blind and random touch points only serve to annoy a prospective customer. That's a place where a lot of clients make mistakes. Um, so, you know, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, every touch point should be building a relationship um, and, and not, not act like the person's anonymous because they're not. You probably have data on them somewhere in your organization and it's kind of annoying to be treated as an anonymous person when you should be known. Um, and then, you know, the other key one is relevance. Um, you know, don't send irrelevant content to a either prospective or known customer. And you see it all the time, you know, really lazy, blunt retargeting. You know, I get it all the time. I agree. Yeah, exactly. You see it all the time. It's like, no, no, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't try to sell them something that you just sold them, right? That just serves to annoy them. Um, understand what you've sold them. Understand what they're using it for and then use technology and data to try to anticipate what they might need next based on what they've done. And I think that's, that's increasingly where we're going to head. But, but you'd be surprised at how often that doesn't happen. Okay, so what, what I'm what I'm hearing from you is really kind of get get a real understanding of where people are are are, are and what they're doing, then focus on the pain points themselves, get sales and marketing together really around account based marketing, um, and create relevant content for those particular experiences or what you want to do or have people do and where they are in that in that uh, buying cycle, and then you know I, I think what I'm also hearing you say is that. Many companies need to expand beyond just kind of their traditional channels. Um, yeah, and, and start to get more I, mean, I was actually going to say, like, what we've seen in the last five years, is an, as an example, is an explosion of social in, in B2B. 
even Facebook, you know, like Facebook in some of our businesses is one of the most effective source of leads. So, um, and yet it's still relatively rudimentary in many organizations how they treat social platforms. I mean, usually there's a good LinkedIn, um, you know, sort of approach or, or often. Um, and there's, but, but this whole concept of, of um, you know, building communities and, and creating value inside these sort of thin slivers of particular interest groups in professional audiences is still pretty early stage. And what are the tools that you use to do that? You know, what's your Twitter strategy? What's your Facebook strategy? What's your, your LinkedIn strategy? And how are you using social? Because, you know, going back to the pandemic, what's happened is that, that um, prospective buyers have had to get very creative in where they go to find information, you know, like they, and, and very often it's peer review. Peer review is increasingly important, particularly for millennials. You know, these are people who, you know, they date online, they buy online, they, they read consumer reviews on amazon.com. Like they, they get themselves educated and they bring that same behavior over into B2B. And so, you know, how good is your social environment? And is it creating the kind of peer review format that is going to be um, uh, sort of additive to your sales strategy? So that's an example, you know, and, and get, get on it. I mean, obviously social is just one channel, but it's not an insignificant one, particularly in the world that we're currently in. That, that, that's fascinating. I, you know, part of me is just thinking back, I see, you know, a, a lot of a lot of companies use social for a lot of their own you know, employees and things like that. At least in terms in terms of their managed social profiles and things like that. And, and, so and I, just, I think that's good. I mean, I I, I like that. I, I just think that that's not the only role. Um, right. And and we've got cases that that prove it out. Companies that are really adroit at leveraging social um, can do really cool acquisition through it. That's, that, that's awesome. So let, let's start to, um, let's start to wrap this up with something that I think is probably a fun question uh, for you. So it's, it's a little bit of lightning round is what I would say, but not really, you know, <laughs> um, but right, you know, fire away. Fire away. <laughs> it's, it's really one question, but I want, you know, I'd like uh, kind of quick answers. So if we think about B2B today, Right. What, what are the what are the hot topics? Right. We just talked about social. Social's a, a, a kind of key area. What are some of those other hot topics that, that people are talking about and that are that are important? Yes, uh, I mean you, you can't take your eye off connected commerce. Um, you know, there's a reason that Salesforce bought Demandware and Adobe bought Magento and SAP bought Hybris. You know, so these are the lead enterprise commerce solutions. And they are integrating them into their broader cloud, and there's a reason for it, is because there's huge demand, um, and the growth numbers are eye popping, you know, in some of these areas. So, being able to help companies connect their digital ecosystem all the way through to commerce, you know, back to my earlier point about getting closer to the customer and building first uh, first party customer profiles, is is is. Um, exchanging commerce with the customer and actually having them buy from you and, and not, not giving up to these open marketplaces but potentially building your own commerce experience. So that's an area. I think the other thing that we're seeing 
firsthand um, is in promotions and loyalty. So, you know, our friends, really? in, yeah, it's a, it's a hot area of the market because it costs a lot more money to acquire a new customer than keep an existing customer happy. And yet it's, you know, it's kind of fascinating. There's been a big shift back to acquisition over the last 10 years. And we're starting to see a recognition that loyalty is going to pay out, um, particularly modern loyalty, tech-enabled loyalty, data-driven loyalty. Um, so our friends in the, you know, with Chris and the team under um, the promotions and loyalty services are going to see, are seeing great growth in B2B and we're partnering with them to build solutions. Um, and then, you know, obviously data. Data is exciting. Um, you know, new data products. We're, we're, we've got a really great data product, B2B Connect, that we uh, have been working on with a number of our clients. They're seeing great lifts in match rates. They're seeing great lifts in um, targeting. And, and we're starting to understand how the insights from, you know, the sort of M1 profile can connect with professional audience data to give us, you know, deeper insights into the customer that can play out in the creative engagement approaches with them. So that's kind of exciting as well. And I think we'll see continued growth in data. Um, and then, you know, obviously the clouds, um, you know, so really companies getting uh, fully connected on the Adobe stack or on the Salesforce stack and building more and more connected experiences through those connected platforms. Um, that's an area of rapid growth as well. And I would expect to see that continue to explode for, you know, the next five years uh, at least. So there's, there's a lot going on. It's, it's a very frothy market. That, that's a lot of hot topics, actually. So, <laughs> you know, we heard social kind of previously. We heard connected commerce. We heard growth in promotions and loyalty. And, and I think, yeah, what you said was like kind of modern data-driven loyalty, not necessarily points programs and that sort of thing. The cloud, it's really that connected piece. And then data. And, you know, the, I was surprised, honestly, about promotions and loyalty. One I, I didn't hear about that I actually expected because we're seeing it all over the place really is this idea of of identity. And, I, you know, we've, we talked about data and bringing it together. But that is, is that a, a, a is that a topic that people are talking about? It, it definitely is. I mean, I kind of tied it to the data piece, but I, I should break it out. No, I mean, we have been working on. First of all, I think B2B identity is pretty tricky. Um, it's more complex because quite often, you know, um, and it's kind of interesting, simple things like when people change jobs, they change their email addresses, but the old email address still exists in, in the in the sort of, you know, world, the ecosystem. So, you know, sometimes we'll find a prospect who's got six or seven email addresses sitting in their profile. So how do you define which is the current one and which is the which is the right one and what's their role in that new organization? So there's some unique challenges to B2B um, uh, you know, identity that still need to get resolved. Um, and we are working on an identity product, which we're not quite fit for match fit yet, but it's actually coming together. Um, that's really exciting. And we're going to pilot it later this year um, to really try to help clients drive that uh, individual identity layer uh, deeper into their organization. And so I'm excited about identity it's definitely a hot topic and you're absolutely right. I should have added it to my list. 
Well, thanks. I just it's I know it's a hot topic everywhere, and it just uh, didn't kind of come out. And so, thanks, thanks for that explanation. And I think what what listeners should really think about is that if that's a challenge for you, uh, you know, speak to Michael. It sounds like either now or a little bit later in the year in terms of how we could we could help that. Um, so, as we as we think about wrapping up here, Michael, any last any last thoughts? I mean, we've heard you've been extremely insightful around what's changed in the macro marketplace, the reality of how sales in B2B has shifted because people can't go visit clients, because you can't have uh, events and things like that. And that's driven this, this need. Um, and the need is, is there, but it's also a really big bet. And so it's important that companies make really good bets and have guidance about what to do and what not to do, but also expand really what what they're thinking about and not just doing things the way that they used to do it, expanding their channels, really getting that connected ecosystem together and getting sales and marketing together, as well as the rest of the organization to really um, harness the the opportunities that are out there. So yeah. um, that, that's what I heard. Would you, would you want to add to that or any other wrap-up components here? Yeah, I mean, I think you've, you've done a nice job summarizing it. I mean, you know, it's, it, as I said, it's a very dynamic environment. Um, there's lots to do. It's almost like there's so many things to do. You can get easily distracted. Um, you know, I think Merkel is uniquely poised um, because of our long-term um, experience and expertise around data, around technology, around integration, and our, you know, sort of laser focus on customer experience. It's like, it's, it's a great value proposition um, and it's, it's time is right now. So I think what I'd love people to sort of think about is, you know, um, there used to be a time when the B2B people were kind of down in the basement, <laughs> you know, they sort of, the, the DM guys and the sort of, you know, heavy lifting old school, uh, you know, linear marketing guys. And, and B2B is an extremely cutting edge dynamic part of their business. Um, so if you have a passion for B2B um, and you're interested, by all means, uh, you know, sort of reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you get an opportunity to get engaged in a B2B, um, you know, solution or, or um, you know, service that we're offering, um, we're looking forward to, you, you know, you delivering um, as part of the team. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share some thoughts with you, Jose. And, you know, I think as just as sort of orange is the new black, um, B2B is where it's at. <laughs> I love the way you wrap that up. Thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> uh, so for our listeners, uh, we've been speaking with Michael McLaren, who's the head of Merkle B2B. He's given us some great insights into what's going on in the marketplace right now and what um, B2B marketers should really be thinking about and doing and all as well as not doing. So uh, once again, I'd like to thank you for listening. This has been Inside Job, Making CX Work. And today we've had a very special focus on on B2B. So more to come. Thank you very much for listening.